Right, thank you. Well, it's a privilege to be back here. And uh, Pastor Van, I think, you know, we, I kind of traded. My brother David is here now. I, I took Tina and left my brother here. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you're getting out on the deal there. Okay. Uh, anyways, it's a privilege to be here. And um, I was kind of disappointed that I didn't have some of my brothers out here. Last time I preached in chapel here, I think it was in 2013. And I had all kinds of good illustrations to give, you know. But now some of you don't even know who I'm talking about. And and uh, so anyways, I'll have to cut out some of those illustrations. But anyways, I'm excited to be here and uh, looking forward to what God has for us during this time. And I uh, really appreciate what God's been doing in the conference and just how um, uh, unified, I, I just sense a great unity here um, in, among God's people uh, to see the Lord do a great work around the world and right here in this community. And so that's really exciting as we go to a lot of different churches, we um, see a lot of different um, scenarios in the churches that we go to, and uh, you don't, there's some that you go to and you just kind of, you can tell things have just kind of been plodding along as they have been for the last 30 or 40 years in some churches, and, uh, but it's exciting to come to a church where there's people that are moving forward by faith and, and seeking the Lord to, uh, for the Lord to work in great ways, and that's how the way it ought to be, because God is the living God. And I love the words on the end of that song, um, Stand Up for Jesus. It must not, it must not suffer loss. And we need to hold the banner of Jesus Christ high. Remember that He is the one to whom everybody in this world is going to bow down to one day and acknowledge that He is Lord and He is King of Kings. And that's a very uh, encouraging thought. Many times when we were in Kenya and we'd be going out soul winning or Sometimes, you know, God would be pricking my heart to go talk to somebody. I would think about that. You know, that Muslim there is going to bow down before Jesus Christ and acknowledge that he is Lord. And that should give us just absolute confidence when we go out there that uh, we're giving the truth. You know, we, we have the absolute truth. We have the answer that this world needs. And it is Jesus Christ. What a great blessing. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, a great missions-themed book. Acts chapter 16 is the passage I'd like us to look at this morning. Acts chapter 16, we'll start in verse 16, and I'd like us to look at this passage and uh, the, t- the title of the sermon I ha- that God's burdened my heart for this morning is titled, Letting God Show His Power Through You. And I know there's a lot of different passages we could look at, but this is a wonderful passage that God has used in my life many, many times to encourage my heart and to just be a strong reminder of uh, what God wants me to be doing and what God has for every Christian. So letting God show His power through you. Acts chapter 16, we'll start in verse 16. And the Bible says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer. Okay, this is Paul and Silas here, just a little background, going into the city of Philippi. So they're going in to preach the gospel, and of course we know there was a church started there, the gospel went forth, but uh, it wasn't without a battle. (laughs) And look at what happens here. Verse 16, it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. 
And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Let's pray. Lord, we just seek for your blessing once again. Lord, use your word, Father, to strengthen us. Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts regarding the wonderful plan and purpose and will that you have for our lives here on this earth. God, I pray that uh, you would have your way in all of our hearts here today and you, your Holy Spirit would have freedom and liberty to convict us and to change us and do all that you want to do right now as we just yield ourselves to you. Lord, bless and strengthen each one of us here, Lord, that your word would be honored and we would all respond exactly how you want us to as we see, look at your word today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I notice here, as the Apostle Paul and Silas come into this city of Philippi, a city that was lost, a heathen city without um, knowledge of, of salvation through Jesus Christ. Here they come into the city, and notice they started with prayer. They entered with prayer. And boy, what a testimony that is. We can never pray enough. We can never be um, spending too much time in prayer. Prayer, as one author says, shows what God, what, when we pray, we see what He can do instead of what we can do. And we need to see what God can do. That's exactly what Paul and Silas saw here in this passage. We'll read a little bit further. Uh, but go back to verse 16 and notice here that they, came to, they went to prayer, but it wasn't without opposition. Boy, we've all been in those moments, haven't we, where we, we try, we're trying to pray. We know we should pray. And we face opposition. Maybe a fly comes buzzing by, you know, and oh, get the fly swatter and go swat that fly. And then we notice the curtains are a little, you know, crooked and we go fix those. And then the phone rings and we answer the phone. And all these things, you know, just little everyday things that happen that distract us from prayer. Or I know for me, one of the biggest distractions is just things I know that need to be done. You know, it just seems like a flood of uh, things start coming to my mind. Oh, yeah, I need to get that done today. And <laughs> you know, all these things just come flooding through that, that remove us from, from where we ought to be in prayer and, and uh, unifying ourselves with the living God. But here Paul and Silas knew that if anything was going to happen for the Lord and for His cause here in this wicked city of Philippi, that, that uh, they needed to pray. And Satan was right there to bring some opposition. In verse 16, we see that a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met them. And this girl was bringing her masters a lot of gain financially. Her supernatural powers, you know, they caught on to and realized, boy, if we can kind of follow this girl around and somehow make a, a money scheme out of this, we could get pretty rich. And they were making good money. And here, look at verse 17. This young lady who was possessed with a demon was actually saying something that seemed pretty good. Verse 17, These men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. 
Wow, what's wrong with that, that phrase right there? What's wrong with that? Nothing. These men were the servants of the Most High God and they had come to show the way of salvation. What's the problem though? The problem is the source that it was coming from. This young lady was possessed with a demon. She was empowered by Satan himself. And she was saying good things. Boy, that ought to be a wake-up signal to all of us that Satan is a crafty deceiver, isn't he? What does it mean to be deceived? Being deceived means that we're being tricked, right? That's usually the answer. Whenever I ask for a raise of hands, people say, well, it means you're being tricked. Well, there's a little bit more to it. It means that you're being tricked and you don't know it. That's the scary part. You're being tricked and you don't have a clue. That's exactly what was happening here with these men. But Paul and Silas, of course, we see that because uh, they were in union with Christ, they were, they were in close communication with Him, they were in dependence upon Him, it didn't take very long for them to realize that this young lady, even though she was saying good things, was hindering and being a roadblock to what God wanted to do there in that city of Philippi. Notice at the beginning of verse 18, the Bible says that this did she many days. Many days. I, I'm sure that during that time, Paul and Silas, you know, were probably talking to each other. What do you think's going on with this girl here? You know, she's saying these good things, but something just doesn't seem right. And they prayed. They sought the Lord. I guarantee during those days, they were praying for God's wisdom, praying for God's power because they probably knew this is the hindrance to what God wants to do here in the city of Philippi. And we need God's power. We need God's strength. We need to make sure we're on the same page with God before we even try to mess with that young lady, before we try to attack the opposition that Satan is bringing here. But notice, this did she many days. And then finally, after those days, Paul, being grieved, he was burdened. You know, he didn't just let this girl go on. He realized Satan is opposing what God Almighty wants to do. God imparted wisdom to them to realize, you know, this young lady is not uh, with me. This young lady is against us. And God gave Paul that wisdom. He was grieved and turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Boy, the name of Jesus Christ. I was looking at these banners here. In step with Jesus. In step with Him. Boy, if we're in step with Jesus, He'll, he'll notify us of areas where we could be easily deceived. And don't be fooled. Every one of us are very susceptible to deception. We're very capable of being deceived. But when we're looking unto Jesus, when we're in step with Him, when we're in that close relationship with Him, reading His Word, spending time in prayer throughout the day. I love the example of Daniel. Three times a day would go and pray. I guarantee Daniel never would have had the impact there in Babylon if he had not been praying like that. He wouldn't have been able to impact that city, that nation where he was. He was praying. He was in step with Jesus. And it takes time to pray, doesn't it? It, ta- it means you have to put aside these, uh, the other pressures that you're feeling. But here Paul felt the pressure of the fact that this young lady was hindering the work of God. And in the name of Jesus Christ, he cast her out. And then verse 19, here is where the action begins to come in. 
All these men that were making money off of her saw, verse 19, that the hope of their gain was gone. So they caught Paul and Silas. They decided, okay, these guys have have messed with our money-making process here. The love of money is the root of all evil, isn't it? We need money to pay our bills and to, to get through life, but we shouldn't be living for that. That's not the goal. I'm sure most of you have that figured out. If you've come to a college like this, you realize that uh, God has a greater purpose than just making money for your life. Okay? That's not what life is all about. It is a necessity, but it's not the focus. It's not the goal. These men were very angry because their money-making process had been taken away. But notice now, Paul and Silas, I know of a lot of preachers in our Christian world today that, and I myself, I'm sure, would be very tempted to to uh, do the same thing, but I know of a lot of preachers that are preaching today in a way where it's very non-confrontational. They, they'll apologize. You know, if, if somebody on, on TV or some big news media station starts to criticize them for something, they'll kind of back up and they'll apologize and, oh, they don't want to be seen as a bad guy in any way or speaking anything negative. But Paul and Silas were not that way. They knew they had come into the city with the truth that was going to set these people free from the bondage of sin. They knew that there was an eternal lake of fire that these people would be spending eternity in if they did not turn to Jesus Christ. And they weren't going to back off. They weren't going to apologize for anything because they were following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'd like us to notice three simple truths here in this passage as we look through it. And first of all, as we consider how we can let God show His power through our life, this is a very real thing. It's not not just an idea, it's not just a theory or an idea out there. This is a real thing that God wants for each one of us here in this room today. First of all, we must have a steadfast commitment to truth. Look at verse 21. You'll see here that Paul and Silas were pressured to go along with the common customs, go fit in with the, the belief system of that day. And uh, it's interesting how these men, these magist- or the, the men that caught Paul and Silas, they were angry about losing money, but they don't talk about that. When they bring them before the magistrates, they change it and make it sound very pious. You know? These men are teaching customs which are not lawful for us to receive. Wow, Satan is so crafty. These men, that that wasn't the reason they were angry. They were mad because they weren't going to get the money that they were getting out of it before. But Paul and Silas didn't bend at all. They, They stayed committed to truth. And you and I need to be careful that we are following the truth, that we have a love for the truth. This book right here is truth. The Word of God. Are you dedicated to it? Do you love it? Or are you, are you going you know, through your college classes because mom and dad want you here and because you, know, you, you don't want to upset the apple cart at home or you're getting your, maybe they're covering your finances, your, your expenses you know, to be here. I'm sure a lot of us are wishing, a lot of you are wishing that was the case. <laughs> I know that's not true for most people here, but I'm sure there's some. But whatever the reason is that you're here, The purpose of this college, I know, is revival. It is to see God, the living God, working in and through our life. And it comes by being connected and and built on the truth. Reading the Word of God. Letting the Word of God dwell in you richly. 
meditating in the law of the Lord day and night. Paul and Silas knew that they had the truth. They knew they had come with a message that they needed to get through to these people. And they weren't going to let anything stop them. They weren't going to change their message. They weren't going to apologize. Look at verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Boy, when they, when they saw that coming, they didn't cower. They didn't change their message. You know, if, if you saw a big whip coming, you were up in front of people and they started taking your clothes off and we're going to whip you because of the message you were preaching. That would be a very humiliating thing, wouldn't it? Very shameful, very frightening to see a city in an uproar against you. These men knew that they had the truth and they weren't ashamed to give it. I know many times uh, Satan puts fear in my heart. You know, just my human nature, my sinful human flesh um, urges me you know, when, I'm, when I know I need to be giving out a gospel tract, I know I need to talk to somebody, you know, and I think, boy, look at them. You know, they're kind of scary looking. You know, they're, they're, they might roll their eyes at me. <laughs> you know, they might laugh at me. I remember one time at the Walmart in McQuanago giving the, a gospel tract to a, a young lady uh, behind the counter there at the Papa Murphy's Pizza. And the lady next to her, I could see, was laughing at what I was saying. And I didn't like that. You know, I'm thinking, man, that doesn't feel good. I don't like that. You want people to receive it. But you know, um, we, can't, we shouldn't be afraid. But you know, the, the worst thing that's going to happen to us here in this wonderful country where we live, the worst thing that will probably happen is that people will say no. Or they're going to turn away. They'll shut the door in your face maybe. Um, thankfully, we, you know, we're not at a point yet in our country where they're going to do what, we, what happened to Paul and Silas here. We have an incredible opportunity that we must not overlook right here in this country. And there are many countries in this world where the gospel, the doors are open to the gospel. And there's a huge lack of laborers. Huge. I remember watching a video once uh, that Brother Needham had made or somebody there in his ministry and he was flying over these uh, little villages there in the mountains in Cameroon, and I remember him saying something specific that, that, or that has specifically just burned in my conscience. Um, I remember him flying over, pointing out some villages down below, and saying that the only reason that these villages have not gotten the gospel is because of disobedient Christians. That is exactly right. Disobedient Christians. Christians who have given way to fear. Oh, my family members, they're not going to appreciate me if I am one of those radical Christians, you know, who carries my Bible and reads it every day and, and is a bold witness at the family reunions. You know, they're, they're, gonna, uh, they're not going to like me. And I'm not saying we need to be, you know, just in people's faces. We need to have the compassion Christ had. But we need to have that boldness, that confidence in Christ, the yieldedness to the Holy Spirit, commitment to truth. Notice secondly here that um, we must also allow the Spirit of God to flow through us no matter what the circumstances. If we're going to let God show His power through us like He wants to do, that's why He made us. Revelation 4.11 tells us He created us for His glory. Okay? For His purpose. For His glory. That's why we're here. 
That's why Jesus saved us, so we would represent the living God on the face of this earth. Not be caught up in the cares of our life, but caught up in everything that God has for our life. If we're going to let God show His power through our life, you must be committed to truth. And you must be allowing the Spirit of God to flow through you no matter what the circumstances. Even when it's not easy. Boy, the rubber meets the road in the dorms many times, doesn't it? When that person walks into the room and you're like, oh my. You know, that person that you're just, you just get irritated when they're around. You know, they say things you don't like or they just rub you the wrong way. That is, you know, times like that is when we need to, to stop and just commit ourselves to the, the, the following of the Holy Spirit. Paul and Silas here were, had, had gone beyond that level, you know, and they were at a point where they could go into a city and trust God even though the entire city came out against them, ripped their clothes off, and whipped them, and then took them into the innermost prison and locked their feet in the stocks. None of us, I guarantee, have ever been through such a situation. We've never experienced such opposition when we've been out witnessing, have we? They had full confidence in God. They were dedicated to truth, and they were going to stay yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Look at verse 25. We see their spirit-filled response as they sat with their feet locked in the stocks. Here they were representing the living God, the one who had all power, And they had just gotten their backs whipped. They were bleeding. Sitting there in prison with their feet fast in the stocks. Here they are representing the living God. (laughs) Doesn't look very good, does it? You know, how many of you want to follow that and make, you know, take on their God? Boy, that doesn't look very exciting to me. But look at verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. You know, they, let me remind you, they could not open their Bible up to Acts chapter 16 and see what was going to happen at midnight. <laughs> you know, when they got thrown in there, they didn't know it was going to happen. For all they knew, they were going to spend the rest of their lives in there. Or maybe the next day, get their heads chopped off. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they had their confidence in God and they stayed yielded to the Spirit of God inside of them. You know, if I were those guys, everything inside of me would be screaming out like Job's wife, curse God and die. God has forsaken you. You've come into this city to do what God told your God told you to do, and here you are, your clothes stripped off, and you've been whipped and beaten, and now your feet are fast in the stocks. Where is your God? I guarantee as those, those men, as the prison guards led Paul and Silas into the prison, I guarantee that in that prison, as they they walked past other cells, they came by scorners and mockers who were shouting out ridiculing words to them as they went all the way into the innermost prison. There were mockers in there, I guarantee. Look at verse 25. They prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. They weren't just mumbling as they sang. They were singing it out. Boy, I appreciated the singing in here today. What a, that's powerful, standing up here, being up here and hearing the hearts of God's people just singing out to the Lord. That is stirring. They sat in prison and they sang and they prayed. You know, many times we allow 
much smaller things in life to get us discouraged, don't we? We allow you know, circumstances that aren't going the way we thought they should go. You know, we get a score back on, from a test or a quiz and boy, we just are a grump the rest of the day. You know, we're, <clears throat> we're discouraged about it. <clears throat> Somebody says something that you didn't really appreciate and boy, you're, you're getting, you're kind of get, letting that swell up inside of you and you're just getting upset about it inside and letting it bother you. All kinds of things that are of much less, you know, on a much smaller scale of things that, that could hinder the work of God. But yet, these are some of the things that, are, that throughout this country and around the world, God's people are allowing, you know, just little petty things to discourage them and to get them out of a life of faith, out of a union with Jesus Christ and dependence upon the Holy Spirit. We must allow the Spirit of God to flow through us no matter what the circumstances. I wish I could stand up here and say that today you know, and, and be a, a, the prime example of that. <laughs> but God's still working in my heart about that too. There's a lot of things that are often a temptation for me to, allow, to let, to let uh, those things discourage me and, and, and hinder the work that God really wants to do, the bigger picture of things. You know, Paul and Silas had all the reason in the world to sit there and say, where is God? Why has He forsaken us? Here we are. Does He even know we're in this dark prison? Does He know what has happened to us here? I mean, Jesus promised to be with us. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Where is He? <clears throat> we don't see them saying that. But you know what? They were people like you and me. They were tempted to do it. But look at this tremendous formula for staying filled with the Spirit. When you're, when you're tempted to be discouraged about something, when you're tempted to allow depression to set into your life, pray to God and sing praises to Him. Pray and sing praises. That is a wonderful way to stay in union with the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. That is a way that you can remain as a channel for God to flow through you. You know, when things aren't going well in life, things, circumstances aren't going well, the natural thing, the normal thing in our world is to just let it discourage us, bring us down. But you know, when you see somebody who's going through a very difficult time and you see a smile on your, their face, you hear them thanking the Lord for His goodness, that is supernatural. And that is something that's going to draw people's attention in and point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what Paul and Silas did here. They, they stayed yielded to the Spirit of God. Last of all, as we are, if we're going to let God show His power through us, we must not only stay committed to truth. I know these are basic, but they're very, very realistic. They need to be implemented in every part of our life. Stay committed to truth. Let the Spirit of God flow through you no matter what the circumstances. And then, others will come, they will come to know Christ because they see the hand of God in and through us. That is, that is how it works. This is the plan. This is a, a beautiful picture. Though it's very dark and, and very uh, full of opposition and very full of, of hardness and, and trial, 
Yet it is a wonderful picture of what God will do when we stay committed to truth. We stay yielded to the Spirit of God every, throughout every moment of each day. God is going to work through our life to manifest His glory. Look at verse 26. Paul and Silas, they prayed and sang praises, but, and they didn't know that God was just about, just about to do something incredible. And I guarantee He wouldn't have done this God would not have been able to do what what we're about to read here if Paul and Silas had been moping and complaining and doubting God. But God saw the channel that the channel was still open and He could flow through them even though the blood was running down their backs. And verse 26, And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, Seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he, the prison guard, called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. What a testimony. I guarantee in that prison, there were other prisoners that that guard knew a lot better than Paul and Silas. I'm sure that some of those prisoners had been in there for years. Why didn't he go to any of those other prisoners? Why did the prison guard come to Paul and Silas and fall down before them trembling? Why? I mean, they had just been whipped and beaten by the people in the city. Thrown into jail. Why would he want anything to do with guys like that? He saw something supernatural in their life, didn't he? He saw it. And there was no avoiding it. There was no... It drew him to them. It was the power of God. That is the power of a Spirit-filled life. That's the, that is what God is longing to do through all of our lives. He has different trials that He wants you to go through. There was no getting around the whipping and the, 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 the beating that Paul and Silas took. There was no getting around it. That was, you know, it was, God, those people were sinning in doing that, but God used it for His glory. And he got the glory because Paul and Silas didn't sit there griping and groaning and complaining because things weren't going well. They yielded their heart and their their life to God. They prayed and sang praises to God as the blood dripped down their backs. God was then able to use them. And God is longing to do this in our life and through us today. Maybe you may not encounter an exact, the exact same situation, but I know God doesn't change. And He is longing to use servants of His that will stay yielded to Him, committed to truth, allowing the Holy Spirit of God to flow through them in every circumstance of life and, and confessing it as sin and repenting when we don't. And getting back in fellowship with Him. Praise God for that. Wonderful reality through Jesus Christ. We can get back into fellowship with Him if you're not in fellowship today. God wants to use you. He wants to flow 
His power through your life. Just like He did here. But be prepared for trials. Be prepared to do things that may not seem very appealing to you. But just follow His leading. Follow His plan. And God will use you. You will be able to let God show His matchless power through your life. Let's pray. Father, we